Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, June 15th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us have been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, If you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows just like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process. And if you listen to those, they can serve as a very effective tutorial for you to help you get maximum benefit from these tools in the shortest amount of time possible. And we fervently hope that people do all of those things soon and often, primarily because it tends to lead to 
improved quality of life for people the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would greatly appreciate you doing so by calling us at 563-999-3581. When you call that number, if you press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll see that. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we're grateful whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. That's why Mike and Michael and Jeannie spend so much of their time, intelligence, money, and energy creating and maintaining the website, paying to host the Internet show, running their breathwork sessions and Michael doing interviews and and so it is an honor to be a part of the process and to be able to do something that is of service and that gets far easier for us to do when you let us know how this work is resonating for you how something that we're presenting on the internet show is useful or not so useful etc so again, the call-in number is 563-999-3581. And if you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. And someone has done that already. I believe it is Susan. Hi, Dr. Tim. <clears throat> um, I have a question about the Lazy Man's uh, Guide to Enlightenment, or whatever the title is. I sent that article I have been loving it and listening to it over and over, and I sent it to my son and my grandson Jacob and my grandson Luke. And my son called me and said, I think you've made a huge mistake sending this to those two grandboys because it mentions the use of LSD as a catalyst or a a booster to having some of the more enlightened experiences I didn't take the paper that way at all I loved that he was honest about it and both grandsons have used LSD and both of them have sworn off of it as being bad for them but my son thinks it's going to influence them especially Jacob to start using it and I wondered what your take is on that paper and whether that was your impression too that he was advocating using it. Well, um, one of the places that he mentions it is when he's saying, on page eight, he says, under the category of how to feel good, he says, it's all right to have a good time. That's one of the most important messages of enlightenment. We should try to comprehend the highest pleasure level, the pleasure of the creator, the pleasure of God, so to speak, in all that we perceive. No one in higher consciousness wants any of us to have a miserable time on earth. Then a little bit later on, a couple paragraphs down, he says, higher beings are only happy, only too happy 
when you show yourself loving enough to rise. You'll be given every help and chance when you ask for it, whether you ask by taking LSD or any other way, be it simple prayer or writing a letter to Santa Claus. You're never asked to torment or frustrate yourself. So in the different places that I've read this, even though he mentions it, I don't hear him saying this is the way to higher enlightenment. That was my take on it, too. But my son got very alarmed. Okay, well, like, like we talk about in this work so often, I cannot, you cannot control how other people are going to interpret and respond to anything. You yeah. can say something, as you did in this case, you can forward something to somebody that you think is wonderful and loving and respectful, and there's no, no way that you can understand or guarantee prior to doing that how it's going to be received by the other person. Right. It's just not possible. You know how many times we talked about showing Dr. Michael Rice videos in the support group and at the end of it gathering around the table and having people say, well, geez, why is he so angry and why is he so focused on all the negatives? Yeah. And everybody else listening to it said, all I thought I heard him talk about was your true nature is love and yeah. here's how to be loving. Mm. So that's the only feedback I have for you is that in everything I've read, I haven't even read the whole thing yet, but... And what I've read so far, I don't hear him advocating for anything other than whatever helps you reach a higher state of enlightenment and peace and joy in life to understand that your true nature is consciousness, just like the way of mastery and the Course in Miracles and everything else. And none of that is advocating for running away from your true nature into drugs or alcohol. It's all advocating for being aware consciously in the moment of your true nature at more deep and deep levels. That was my take, too. And one of my reasons for sending it to both of those boys is because this man is open to having had that experience. Uh, And so the boys might not think that he is going to be moralistic about it or anything, that this might be a way have them think that this is a kindred spirit, not that he's advocating it. But, of course, you know, as you say, we take things differently. I did write them both after and said, in no way am I advocating for you to use those drugs. I know you both have, and both of you have said they were not good for you. They hurt you. So, But everything else in there is so useful. And my son loves the article otherwise. The business of expanding and contracting, he's putting that right to use. He says, I can feel when I contract, and I'm going to work with that. He's liking it a lot, but he he got alarmed. But, of course, he was alarmed for his own reasons, as you say. So, anyway, of course, then I got alarmed, and I'm calling you up right at the beginning of the radio show. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, you know, the the idea is that... I remember reading Carlos Castaneda books and Don Juan and Yeah. Are you, are you familiar with that stuff? Not really, but I've certainly heard of them. But no, not on the level you are. 
Well, it's just that the, the point that's relevant for this discussion is that he mentions. I mean, this is a this is a series of books about a shaman and spiritual growth and enlightenment and you know the struggle to to be human at deeper levels and to see beyond your humanity, all that stuff. And he talks in there about things like um, drugs, the peyote buttons and the mushrooms and the hallucinogens and and alcohol, etc. And he talks about how depending upon who we are as people, we might have as an ally in our lives on our path anything might be an ally so mm. i might find that alcohol is my ally and i can't stand lsd or peyote buttons or mushrooms or i might mm-hmm. find that lsd is my ally but i can't deal with the others or alcohol or sugar in my diet or whatever but he's talking about it from the perspective of finding what works for each individual not saying this is the path to enlightenment Right. A lot of people will, will miss that because they, they want to have validation for going and using psychedelic mushrooms or peyote buttons, right, And um, or LSD. But that person using it, it's not, it's not what the intent of the author was. At deeper levels, yeah. all of these true spiritual teachings are trying to help people get rid of what doesn't belong in their system, tap into their true nature, and grow through letting it expand in their lives, in their work. It's like the interview that just came out um, yesterday morning that I did with um, Sandy Wilder. And he talks about his whole purpose in his Educare Unlearning Institute is to... Learn to listen at deeper and deeper levels to help people understand what's in them, to pull out what's already there. He's not guiding anybody. He's not liberating anybody. He's not educating them in the sense of telling them what to do. And In the interview, when I asked him, can you define for us what you mean by unlearning? And he said, I, I thought his answer was wonderful. He said, for a long time on the spiritual path, I did a lot of adding of this and that, this thought, this technique, this breath work, this, you know, this belief. And I was, I was reading all these books and I was adding them, looking for the thing I needed, right, to go to the next level. And what he found was he was just loading up inside with all of this stuff that was blocking him from just being with connecting to his source inside, getting in touch with his heart and that flow of wisdom that can come through the center of each of us. And so he learned that, or he discovered, I'll say it that way, because the next thing is that what's better for him to do is unlearning, unpacking, mm-hmm. unburdening. You know, yeah. Like Michael Rice, cancel, shebag, put down, dismantle. Everything yeah. that's less than this true flow of the creative source and the wisdom that each and every one of us has access to. Mm. So any ally that I have is going to assist me in going in. 
to my true nature, to my source, to my connection to a higher wisdom, not putting things in me from the outside. You know, the root of the word educare means to draw out instead of to stuff in. Mm, nice. And if if your true nature is that you are, as the way of mastery keeps saying, you remain as you were created to be, you and the Father are one, all of that other stuff, on and on and on, if that's the truth, then everything you do that you know looks to the outside or keeps you busy is a distraction mm. from you know getting in touch with your true nature so i should mention that that interview is available at the onyourmindpodcast.org or you can go to journeysdream.org slash podcast, and it's the most recent uh, episode that we offer. And, you um, did that a, a week or so ago, right? Longer than a I week thought ago, I had, yes. Oh, it is. Okay, because I did hear it's, it then. It's, I it's, thought you were talking about it. It's the one that I sent you privately in secret with all these all these warnings, don't let anybody know, and then you got on the Internet show and said I sent it to you. <laughs> oh, you did not. I didn't say anything about keep it private. You're right. But I did send you the unedited version, and, and you you listened to oh, it. Yeah. And so now it's been published formally as the the edited version of the On Your Mind podcast. Yeah. I will be more mindful. Thank you, if that ever happens I, I'm again. kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't you didn't have to, I didn't have to keep it private. I didn't and if I want that I will say that. Remember why I sent that specifically to you was because we'd had conversations on the internet show just prior mm-hmm. to that, just prior to yeah. my interview with him, where you talked about something you had been exposed to that helped you with a just a slight reframe that said I I need to see myself in everybody else. I need to see them as exactly like me. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I've been doing it. I don't remember what it was that that you tapped into that had you thinking that. But then when I did the interview with Sandy Wilder, he mentioned a book by J. Allen Boone, and the book title is Kinship with All Life. And he Whoa, said nice. in that and in that book J. Allen Boone talks about how a German shepherd taught him to listen at deeper and deeper levels to the animals. Uh, and mm-hmm. that he and he realized that he was only going to be able to do that if he tuned into the actuality for him that Every animal he is around has exactly the same value as he does. And when he goes quiet into the silence and the depth of his own awareness and tunes into the animal, whether it's a monkey or a dog or a horse or whatever, he can 
commune. He can communicate. He can receive messages or impressions. Mm. And after after Sandy Wilder read that book, he started practicing it, mm. and to great effect. And it was a a core piece of Sandy developing his business that he now he calls himself the chief listening officer at the Educare <laughs> Unlearning Institute. Uh-huh. So listening at deeper and deeper levels is something he talks about extensively in this interview, and it's the core of the work he does with people. So again, that the On Your Mind podcast is just another resource that we're glad to be able to offer. It's free. It's you know, you don't have to sign up for anything. You can just go to YouTube or you can go to the On Your Mind podcast page or you can go to the journeystream.org slash podcast page. And there are over 130 interviews there, some of them with people who've had lived experience with mental health challenges, some of them practitioners of various levels of um, psychiatry, psychology, therapy, art therapy, etc., some of them with people who run residential treatment centers that help people through their mental health challenges with little or no psychotropic meds, etc., etc., etc. Some of them who have read, written books about their recovery from alcohol or drugs, some of them who have written books about trying to get off of psychotropic meds after 15 years on it, and the list goes on. I had had a young person in in my caseload recently who's in his mid twenties, and he's starting to doubt. You know, can he trust his own perception? And uh, I was able to direct him to an interview I did with Catherine Adams back in the first year of the On Your Mind podcast, where she's talking about early intervention for psychotic episodes, and she's at that time she was. Her office was across the street from either Michigan or Michigan State, and there's like you know thirty or forty thousand students across the street from her office. And when you look at the numbers per hundred, how many people in their mid twenties, or between you know whether it's eighteen or twenty-five, whatever, what percentage of them have a mental, a serious mental health crisis or psychotic episode? That meant that she's sitting across the street from like six or 10,000 young people, and of course, none of them, almost none of them are going to tell anybody what's happening with them, because it's shocking and embarrassing, and, and so in isolation, those struggles we have just get worse, so there's the value, for my money, in having uh, an episode like that, that I can refer to people, and say, look, you're not alone. Here are experts mm-hmm. working at it. Here's the statistics about how many people your age or in your age group are going through something like this. And it's something most people come through on the other side, living healthy, happy, connected lives. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Very good to be able to do that right now in this time. You know, we all leave and, and the chances, the odds of people recovering and going better go up dramatically 
the sooner they get an intervention, the sooner they get support and acknowledgement yeah. and get exposed to mm-hmm. tools that can help. Right. You know, one of the things that the Golas, Thaddeus Golas said in his book, which is continuing to blow my mind, is it is safe to love, I forget the word he used, lavishly or unconditionally or across the board, however he said it. He said it's safe. And for some reason, that was a, a key thing for me that I have like with Michael in the basement who's living with us, I have pulled away from just plain loving him because I think I shouldn't because he's doing something wrong or he is lacking in some way or whatever. I've It's because of my judgments. But for him to say, it's safe, go ahead and love the guy, no matter what, that is like somebody opened a gate. That is such a great idea. Did it strike you that way too, or is it just me? <laughs> well, I I haven't had the same uh, belief or construct that said it's not safe to love. So I I agree with you that it's a wonderful thing because it's always been a wonderful thing. Not because I I just discovered it's a wonderful thing because of something Thaddeus wrote in his paper. I mean, if our true nature is that we are all the same, we both began as a sperm and an egg, we are all sparks of the one divine mind, then how could there be anything wrong with appreciating that and extending the knowledge of that to everyone and everything and every interaction? That's exactly the way the way of mastery says it. Please Stop going around trying to love people or convince people that you love them. At the same time we say it's not possible to love anybody, it is possible and highly recommended that you extend that loving energy, which is your true nature and the true nature of the other people around you, extend that to everyone and everything in every interaction. Mm -hmm. And that would not be the recommendation if it wasn't completely safe to do so. Yeah. (laughs) But the foundation of the Course in Miracles and the Way of Mastery is the observation that who you are has never been, can't ever be, chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. There's nothing that can damage, hurt, significantly alter your fundamental nature you are completely safe in all situations for all time and outside of time now that's not your ego i'm not saying that who you think you're of yourself as is completely safe because that you know what you think of yourself and who you think of yourself is bound to change over time even in the best of circumstances because you learn and grow, because who and what you thought you were, it was never your true essence anyway. So that's what we have driving us. For most of us, we have this sense of self driving us, and that's why these teachings keep trying to tell us who you think you are has nothing to do with who you are. 
yeah. you have an essence that goes way beyond your thoughts and way beyond your beliefs and way beyond any teachings that have come to you at any level, even your direct physical experience, who you are transcends that. It certainly transcends everything you have ever thought or said or anyone else has ever thought or said about you. It's fascinating to me, though, that here we've been told that, I've been told that over and over in the Course in Miracles, in the Way of Mastery, Thunberg book, just the way Lola said what he said was like it flipped the switch. Right. I, I right. understood For, for it you in, in that moment. Yeah, in that moment. Right, just for me, but it seems so amazing. And wonderful. I love it. That's the, to to my way of thinking, that's one of the great beauties of having all of these different teachers, writings, presentations, because you never know which one's going to resonate with which person and which one's going to cut right through somebody's belief system or BS. (laughs) <laughs> and help them shine a light on their true nature in an entirely different way than anything they've ever heard before. I think that's the idea of going to churches where there's a liturgy. They figure if you hear the same prayers and the same collects and the same words over and over again, that there'll be a chink in the armor at some point and you'll get them. But there's also the opposite danger, that repetition like that will deaden you. And I think in my case, I was, I guess we both do both things. But it's wonderful to hear a phrase that hasn't been put that way and have it have the effect of getting right through the resistance or the opaqueness or the stupidity or whatever it is. Well, you know, it depends on who you are and which teachings resonate with you. But some people will say, yep, that's the value of um, having a liturgy and a church and these prayers that you recite, you know, over and over again, year after year as you go through the cycle and this feast of that and that feast of this and this celebration of that day. And and that's one way of thinking about it. And there are other... Uh, teachings, other observations that say, you know what, that's just not really the way it works, and all of it is based in thought, and when you start to see the flaw in the nature of thought, you realize that the more you rehearse those thoughts and pour mind energy into them, the more you build a a thicker wall on the prison you're in, and and the the longer it's going to take you to undo that momentum of belief in that thought pattern. And that's yeah. why, you know, people like Krishnamurti and David Bohm, you know, had conversations to try and help people see, look, here's a physicist, David Bohm, and a and a deep spiritual teacher, Krishnamurti, J. Krishnamurti, and they both reached the same conclusion from very different perspectives. But the conclusion is just the direct observation that there is this 
fundamental flaw in thought that can never lead us to the joy, the aliveness, the direct observation that we say we want. Whether you want to call it enlightenment or you want to call it a true spiritual life or a better life, my thoughts are never going to take me there. And that same uh, intimation, that same um, kind of knowledge is found in Einstein's description that we've been given a precious gift, which is the intuitive mind, and um, a faithful servant, which is the conscious logical mind. And we have a problem because we live in a culture that has forgotten the faithful servant, the intuitive mind. We aren't really even taught in schools about our intuition and our creativity and how to tap into it. And worse yet than that, worse than just forgetting that, is we have been trained to believe that the faithful servant should be raised to the level of God and deity and master. And so we think we're going to think our way through everything. And it will never happen. As a matter of fact, the more we engage that process, the further we thicken the walls of our prison. So, you know, what's what's the solution to that? Well, Sandy Wilder says that he spends most of his time trying to get people to drop into their heart space, to trying to get people to recognize what Einstein was talking about, that, you know, that's our precious gift is this ability to tap into a level of consciousness or awareness or wisdom or insight or creativity that you cannot get to through your conscious logical mind. It's the root of why Michael Rice has his worksheet process where he maps out the conscious logical line in the first three steps and everything it tells you has to happen to make your life better and then has you cancel all of that, put it all away for the time being, focus on your true nature and loving energy and ask to be shown something else. And the magic and the power of that process goes beyond words each new heartbeat. So, are we in the car? We're, we're in the car. I'm sorry. I muted myself as best I could, but I wanted to be able to answer you. Yeah. I have to take my car in to be serviced. So, here I am. Okay. But anyway, thank you very much for hearing me out, and it's uh, reassuring to hear your take about the Goldlust article. Yeah, I think that... Uh... I, I didn't see anything in it that said, here's your answer, it's LSD, or it's mushrooms, or peyote. Right. right. Good. And, of course, from the very first levels of introduction on that essay or paper, he says, you know, what is your true nature? We are all equal beings, and the universe is 
is made up of our relationships with it with with each other the universe is made up of just one kind of entity and each one is alive and each one determines its own course of its own existence this is really all you need to know to understand this book or to write your own book the universe is made up of one kind of whatever it is meaning energy meaning something that defies label and description and he says it cannot be defined it isn't necessary to define it. All we need to do is assume that there's only one kind of whatever it is and learn <laughs> to see if that leads us to a reasonable explanation of the world as we know it. The basic function of each individual is expanding and contracting. Expanded beings are permeative. They let things flow through them. Contracted beings are dense and impermeative. Therefore, each one of us, whether alone or in combination, we might appear as empty space, energy, or mass, depending upon the ratio of expansion or contraction that we choose, and on what kind of vibration each of us is expressing through that process of expanding and contracting. And whether we realize it or not, each and every being controls their own vibrations controls their own level of expansion or contraction. There's nothing in there about you, you're really this physical body. And because it's a physical body, you've got a chemical imbalance and you need to put this drug in there to be able to see past it. There's nothing in that writing that I take that way. Yeah. All right, anything else from you today? No, and I I better mute myself because <laughs> I know it's loud. Thanks a lot, Dr. Tim. Well, you're very welcome and deserving. I will mute you so you can listen in. And we've got about 20, 21 minutes left, so I will invite comments, questions, answers, or testimonials from anybody who's on or anybody in the chat room. Um didn't take long for this hand to pop up. Five four one, you're in the air. Yes. Celinda here. Welcome. Welcome. And a couple of uh, one question and one comment. Um, when I read The Kinship of All Life, I might have mentioned this before, I hope I haven't. Um, that I also found J. Allen Boone had a second book called The Language of Silence. Did I already mention that on the program? I think you did, but it's good to mention it again. Yeah, well, and, I will highly recommend And did you find value that in that book? Very great value. It was like another step off of um, kinship with all life. And for a while there, I remember seeing that I had been written both books as one volume, so that might be available on a books or someone might be able to find it through their library system. <clears throat> yeah, I highly recommend both of them. And um, the other thing is how do I get a hold of that trans that 24-page transcript? Because it, I find it very I, intriguing. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, it's a PDF, I take it. Yeah, it's just a... You can either read it on your computer or print it out. And um, uh, just for um, 
this um, clarification, Susan Bingham kept saying that it doesn't have uh, page numbers, and she's right. It does have a table of contents that tells you what the pages are. The forward starts on page 2, and the last page is 24. So after I printed it out, I just went and numbered them in ink because they don't have the page number listed on on the page. Although if you're reading it in a PDF, your PDF program will tell you what page number you're on out of the total. Right. And also I remember uh, Susan saying something or you saying something about an audio of that same transcript. Is that also available? Okay, great. Well, I believe it is. And if, um, if it works, I think Susan was sending it to me. If it works, I'll forward that to you as well. Sounds sweet. And I, really I haven't clicked on it and tested it out, but I she, I, I believe okay. she sent me one that she thinks works. Oh, perfect. And also my challenge of the moment is with a cat. <laughs> so it's interesting that we're talking about the kinship of, with our life. Um, it's sort of like I read it about 25 years ago or so, so maybe it's time for a reread. <clears throat> but um, we, uh, a feral cat came knocking on our door with uh, adoption papers, and she was such a sweetie, we decided to take her. Um, she had uh, come to this, our host place before and was kind of the out cat uh, and um, was kind of bullied. So she just kind of hung around in background, and then when we came along, she decided, oh, this is my opportunity. Uh, And the other cat, one of the other cats was very aggressive and very dominant alpha cat and decided to, um, uh, when her sister died, all of a sudden decided she was going to come over here and be our cat too. But then she beats up chronically on the little kitty. (laughs) So I think I need to take a refresh here. Um, and also um, dip into the gentle art of blessing more to try to resolve this situation because my mother bear keeps coming out and that's not good for me and it's certainly not good for this either cat. So (laughs) that's my next challenge anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and, um, you know, the thing that comes to me to say here is rather than rereading the book, just go into the silence and listen. Because right. if okay. I understand correctly from what Sandy Wilder was talking about with that book, I have not read it myself, but if I understand what he was talking about, he's talking about learning from that book to sit wide open and listen from the perspective, from the mindset that says I have the same absolute value as this other being in front of me whether the being is a rabbit or a bird or a chip chipmunk or a chimpanzee or a cat and you could start doing that without waiting until you reread a book and you Very might just good. awaken in, in yourself 
you know, that old experience, and then you might even expand on that old experience without having to crack the book at all. Because right. the wisdom of it is is within you anyway. And the wisdom of it emerges from engaging the process, not from reading a book. I'll, I'll fairly like well guarantee so. you that dozens of people have read that book and never sat for hours listening to an animal or never really changed the way they listen to other human beings. This gentleman was a journalist, I think. It seems like he went around the world and um, to many places. And in the language of silence, there's the one story that I do remember there were a couple, but the one that really sticks out in my mind is he was, I think, in Indonesia. And um, there were a lot of wild animals, of course, in the jungle. And everybody told him, he said, I think I'll go walk into the jungle and kind of sit for a while against a tree. He liked to sit with his back against a tree. And he, they said, oh, no, you've got to take a gun. You've got to take a gun. He said, no, no, I don't do guns. So he walks into the forest, and he sits uh, by this tree with his back to a tree, and he just enters the silence. And it's not very long before these monkeys start showing up. And it's as if um, they're ignoring him. It's not as if they don't see him. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But it seemed like it was as if they were just, he was part of the background. And he was, um, his energy, it was something I think about his energy that they felt safe around. And they started frolicking and playing all around him and jumping from limb to limb and rolling on the ground and somersaults and doing all of this stuff. They were just all playing together. And then all of a sudden, he said, they left. They just split. Everybody disappeared. And he sat there wondering what was going on, and it wasn't too long before a bunch of people with guns showed up. And I never forgot that. And I must share in that context that when I was married to my first husband, he was a member of the Strategic Air Command in the Air Force. And he was a sweetheart, absolute sweetheart. Uh, We were both gung-ho military at the time. And he came home one day and said, well, they have just informed me that I am now a SAC-trained killer. And I said, okay. But I was studying Russian. And um, I remember that I had been reading War and Peace and all kinds of good books, lots of Dostoevsky and things like that. Uh, And I was in the library supposedly studying for a test and doing my usual, well, why don't I go look for a book? (laughs) So I went in and I was perusing all the Russian books in English and because my Russian wasn't proficient enough to go through war and peace in Russian. And so uh, this little book kind of caught my eye, and I don't know whether it actually fell out of the shelf or whether it caught my eye, but it was a Tolstoy apology 
about his pacifism. And it was a little tiny book called The Kingdom of God is Within You. And I read that book. I was a gung-ho military dependent, been a military dependent most of my life. And I went home and I told my husband, I said, guess what? He said, what? He said, I'm a pacifist. Um, And he looked at me and said, that's cool. (laughs) And it didn't bother him at all. And so uh, he did have to stick me a couple of times very gently, um, but uh, he just accepted it. And I've been a pacifist ever since, ended up in Marin County in the Haida Paper Dome after his death. And um, the more I go, the more I get confirmation from right and left that I made for me the right choice. And uh, The Kinship with All Life was one of those books. And The Language of Silence. So I just thought I'd share that. All right. Well, I appreciate the sharing. Thank you. Um, There's just all kinds of wonderful stories from our past, and if we look at them and learn from them, it's it's truly an amazing process, this thing we call life. And we don't get to learn so much from it when we judge it. We do we do end up learning more when we observe and question. And that includes kitties. Quite probably, yes. Quite probably. Anything else for you to add today? Yeah, where there are little kitties, there are great big kitties, Dr. Tim. (laughs) And behind all of that is a fear, a survival fear. That is perhaps my next challenge. That you have a fear of surviving? Um, Wild wild beasts. Yeah. You have a fear of wild beasts? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how is that coming up right now? Well, um, that is one of my life challenges because I've always, and it's part of my basic survival uh, fears. I've just been a small town girl, always really close to the wilderness when I was growing up in one way or another, or the jungle when I was on Guam, one way or another. There's always something to be afraid of when you're a kid. And uh, and so it's just one of my challenges. I'm, I hope I'm a tough old broad because I really have a lot to learn. <laughs> it's pretty exciting now. And I also agree with you on the way of the heart and of all the readings that we've been doing. And because I have felt since I was four years old that Somehow it has to do with the heart and relationship. So I'm pretty pleased about that, that I came in with that. So just growth, sweet, sweet growth. 
All right. Going from the mind thoughts to the to the actuality. Yeah. The leap. All right. Well, thank you for the call. I'll mute you so you can listen in to the last five minutes here and the second hour. Again, blessings. Thank you for the call. Thank you. And I should mention, since I haven't yet in this particular podcast, that today's a Thursday. That means there will be a support group again tonight. And... Um, come one, come all kind of thing. If you have any interest, all the information you would need to to join us absolutely free is available on the website at mindshifters-academy.org or mindshiftersacademy.org without the hyphen. Either one works. If you want to email me, you need the hyphen in there. And we run from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time. And we'd be happy to have you join us or send the information along to somebody you think might benefit and uh, direct them to the website at mindshiftersacademy.org. And the group of us, however many there are, sometimes two or three, sometimes six or eight, we'll be happy to share the community with you and we will probably listen to some kind of a teaching and then have discussion and or worksheet process depending upon the needs of the group as they show up and let us know what works for them. Again, it's every most every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time and um, We'd be happy to have you join us or pass that information along to somebody you think might benefit. Also, we've got the MindShifters Academy.org webpage that has a soon-to-be-updated um, book list for books we've talked about. I haven't done that in the past year or so, but I'll add to that list. It's already quite extensive about books that we have read and discussed on this internet show over the past 12 years, 12 plus years. We also have um, the offering of the On Your Mind podcast hosted by Journey Stream, which is available at onyourmindpodcast.org or theonyourmindpodcast.org or journeystream.org slash podcast. So please do what you can to avail yourself of those recordings and those interviews and let us know how they land with you and or pass them along to other people. It's just another free resource that's available. We are back again tomorrow and we will probably dive a little deeper into the book Walk A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg and maybe do some comparisons between that that book and the paper by Thaddeus Golis titled The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment that Susan was referencing earlier and um which is so much in line with everything we're studying in the way of mastery and course of miracles and 
Guy Finley's work and and truly um, the work of Sandy Wilder and Diedrich Wolzak and all these other people who have found either the same or similar source material and decided to take a deep dive into it and not just read it and think they know what it means, but to read it and to go into meditation and prayer and ask to be shown and come up with their own particular phrasing and terminology and understanding of the dynamics and then share it, share it openly with people. And we encourage you to do that. Michael Rice has this enlightenment uh, book that contains what they have from the ancient Kaboris manuscript that's been translated directly into English. And he encourages people, read this, read it as a dictionary, and then go back to the ancient Aramaic words for what is now called the Lord's Prayer and do your own interpretation of it. You know, sit in prayer meditation and look at these examples of what this ancient Aramaic word means in English and then let yourself come up with your own interpretation of this set of instructions for how to pray. It's the same kind of thing that Diedrich Wolzak has done and Guy Finley does and Sandy Wilder does. They read these source materials and they sit with it and they ask to be shown and they pray or they meditate and then they gift us what it means to them and how they're making sense of it. And those that are the best at that suggest you do the same. So the point is to look inside yourself to the place inside you where you can tap into a higher wisdom and insight and intuition. So I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Are you there, Jeannie? There you go. I am. Yep. Well, you're very, you're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Thursday, June the 15th, 2023. And their call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. We'll give Michael a moment to dial in. And I'm also waiting to see uh, there's a young lady that had a question. You know, yesterday we did a fantastic show. I'm actually going to separate it out into a separate show through the release exercise. And, Doug, thank you for calling in and, and being willing to go through that and asking the questions. So we appreciate you, and we're glad that you're with us. Um, so I'm waiting to see if... Uh, Sarah calls in. She was waiting to see if a client was going to cancel at 1 o'clock. And if it was, she's going to do it live. And if she can't call in live, I'm going to read the email that she sent me asking questions about the release exercise. So we'll give her a few minutes to see if she is able to get in with us. And at this time, I'm going to welcome Michael. Well, thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. 
delighted that uh, we get to keep creating these openings. I felt like yesterday's show, and thank you, Doug, for your questions and, uh, and the work you're doing to keep opening the space to the next level, the questions you're asking that I personally, you know, got a, a, a new piece of the puzzle for me in reading those couple of paragraphs, which over the last, you know, 12 years of doing this show, I've probably read them, those two paragraphs, 20 times and explained them. But, uh, but yesterday with the question on the table, it opened still another level of understanding for me. And so I thank you for that and hope that it opens the space for the next truth to show up. And when we're talking about truth, you know, most people in our culture, by the the simple programming as children, we're taught to believe a lot of things that aren't true. I'm not going to call them lies. Is it a lie that the sun sets? Is it a lie that the sun rises? Well, I don't think it's a lie, but it's not true. sun doesn't rise. We know that's fantasy. We know it, but we still say it. <clears throat> but until somebody questioned that, and if you go back and you'll remember, there was a guy who was almost executed as a heretic because the church was sure there were four corners on the earth and therefore it had to be flat and it couldn't be round. And, and, you know, Galileo almost got killed for it because he started to ask a question and minds that did not honor truth couldn't fathom that that question could possibly be valid. So when we call something that's not true, truth, and tie this in with what we know about perception and the way the mind works. You know, there's that Harvard research that we regularly refer to where they're telling us that in a time frame where they can measure 10,000 units of electrical activity in the brain, 10,000 brain cells firing, that the max amount of data that goes into conscious awareness is nine bits. Tiny, tiny, tiny bit. It's all there's room for. And if I allow that tiny nine-bit space to be filled with something that, again, well, not necessarily a lie, isn't true, but I call whatever it is, i.e. the sun rises, I call that truth. When I call the lie truth, then that nine-bit space being filled with my lie blocks out any other possible awareness. So we call that living in block. For those of you that perhaps in the past have done laws of living, I'm talking about the early days of laws of living for many years, and this was just a, it's actually a good example of exactly what we're talking about. In the original course uh, that was developed for the prison, it's called EMI, Emotional Maturity Instruction. There was no conversation about blockage of truth. The conversation was about blockage of personal error. 
that was something that Dan McDougald, my partner who helped develop that course, the ultimate laws of living course we developed, came to the program with blockage of truth, or pardon me, blockage of personal error. And it wasn't until probably, I don't know, 15 years. I don't know, maybe some of you were even at the intensive where that was just like a, a major revelation for me. It's like, no, no, no. The problem isn't blockage of truth, or pardon me, going back to the old brain cells. The problem isn't blockage of personal error. Everybody sees their error. They just call their error truth. See, when I say you made me mad, I mean error, because mad can only come from a mind that's got mad in it. It's mine. It's about me. But when I believe, when I tell my mind, you make me mad, then my mind has to hallucinate a reality that proves to me that you're the cause of me being mad. So that's an error in my thinking, to believe that you could possibly cause me to be mad. But as long as I call that error truth, <clears throat> there's no room for truth to get in. And I mean, for years, I, along with Dan, taught blockage of personal error. Blockage of personal error. I mean, that, that was a really key concept in the course. And the turnaround on that was monumental. No, it's not blockage of personal error. Everybody sees, you know, I, if I'm in blame of you, I see my error that I'm blaming you. I can see that very well. But when I tell myself the lie that that's the truth, I'm now blocking the ability of my mind to show me the truth. So for me yesterday, what really opened, and I think that was one of the, one of the best radio shows in a long time, maybe, maybe not necessarily best, but one of the most important because of that insight. And that is that passage that I read about words applies not only to words. It's not just that words are symbols. Your whole perceptual mind, the whole output of your mind is a symbol of something that happened in the world. It's your mind's understanding, interpretation, or your mind's reality about it. And as such, it's not the actual thing. We've said this for years. We've said this over and over again. Even if you get your mind all corrected and everything in the mind is correct, you're still not going to get the direct experience of what the actuality is holding. You'll only get your mind's symbol of it. So like words, reality, perception, is a symbol. And as long as we hold on to that symbol and call it truth, then we're going to live in blockage of truth. So the last analysis, if I'm in pain, and you know, you'll remember if you've been around the work for long, that's a, that's a thought that's been around for 30 plus years. Now it's adjusted a little bit. I used to say, if I'm in pain, I'm in error. Which is true, but it tends to you know, the ability of most people to accept that they're in error is a challenge. But if I'm in pain, and this is another piece that turned around through experience in teaching the course, Laws of Living. If I'm in pain, 
my thinking is in error. You'll notice the new worksheet has that statement in it, not I'm in error. If you go back, I don't even know when we changed that, probably 15 years ago. If you go back to a worksheet prior to 15 years ago, you'll see that that little box that has a statement on it says, if I'm in pain, I'm in error. And what we found was that it was more acceptable and easier for people, for people to break through their errors to go, oh, if I'm in pain, my thinking is in error. All pain, all trauma, all lack, all loss, all upset, all disturbance, it's a result of your mind presenting you a symbol of what's actually true in the world. Once you realize that, then you realize that if you're in pain, there's something that needs to be done. What was that passage we read yesterday? You go back to the world that rules, that's the world of words, and you use the words of that world a while, but be you not deceived by them as well, they stand for nothing. This is where the opening to for the healing of blockage of truth happens. They stand for, in your practicing, it says this, they stand for nothing. And it is that thought in your practicing that will release you from the lie. Words, symbols or symbols, are nothing but symbols. Perception itself, reality the realities output from your mind stand in the same place. Symbols of symbols twice removed from the truth. And here we are. You know, for me yesterday when I read that uh, Carl Jung quote, it was a bit of a challenge for me to share what my thought was because, you know, Carl Jung is like, he's up there, man. He's And as I said yesterday, there's virtually nothing I've ever read of his that I disagreed with. But that quote yesterday was clearly an error. And to be able to acknowledge that instead of just by what he offered. And, and I'm, I'm saying this, you know, kind of in, as a, a re- reflection of my own process and invite you to re- each of you to realize you have to go through the same process. You know, maybe tomorrow it will be me saying something. You'll go, eh, it doesn't really fit. Ask the question. Question everything from everybody. There is no authority that if they're using words can tell you the truth. Words do have a use, and their use is to offer instructions on how to use the tools to produce the experience that the Course is about producing. Course in Miracles said, don't, don't get all hung up in theology trying to figure something out when you can't figure it out, and you can't say it, and you can't speak it, but you can experience it. Don't get lost in theology or, you know, arguments about this, that, and the next thing and void the experience that the words point us toward. Any other thoughts for you on that topic, Jeannie? 
Or is um, Doug with us? Does Doug have any thoughts? Uh, hold on, let me see. There's a couple more numbers have popped up. Sarah is with us, and but she's in a library, so she asked me to read her email, and then if she has a question, okay. she'll raise her hand. Cool. So well, let's go let for me it. take these other two numbers and see if one of them is Doug. Um, no, it's not. So okay. uh, let me read cool. Sarah's email. So she wasn't able to join us on the uh, day that you talked to Doug about doing the emotional release. And we were going to actually do the exercise then the next day. And she was interested in that. So I had sent her a link. There's actually a link if you go to the website and click start here and go to uh, other uh, worksheets or exercises. It's in there. And so I had sent her that link. It's actually an MP3 where you had done it previously on a radio show. I had announced while I was waiting on you to dial in today that yesterday's show will be separated and added to those special shows as well. So anyway, she wrote. And maybe we said, can tie um, it in with that link that you're talking about. We can put yeah. it on that page as well. Cool. Yeah. So um, she said, I tried the release technique this evening. I tried it and basically failed. In case it would be helpful for the radio show, I'll explain that I can't seem to get over the pencils, fingers, whatever being deflected. Uh, once they touch during my visualization, I even changed the order of insertion and placed the crown in first. I also tried to make them barely touch to no avail. And then I went ahead and did a release but felt nothing. Are there any ideas that myself sabotaging? Maybe Rooka is not wanting me to release. I have already released two things that I'm trying to release, gone through the process of releasing. And uh, then she says, I'm looking forward to being with you during the breath- breathing on Saturday. So she is listening. If you'll address her questions, and then if she has another question, she'll cool. she raise her hand. Sure. Awesome. Well, I think you have uh, a really good insight there uh, when you put the thought forward that perhaps this is self-sabotage. And my take would be that you might want to do some worksheets on your mind playing the game of distraction. You know, people talk about the ego, which is what we're working on dismantling, as though the ego doesn't want things to change. And the truth is the ego doesn't have a wanter. All the ego can do, all this non-being mind can do, is whatever it's been trained to do. And if you've trained it to distract you, then it's going to be a master extraction. So you might do some worksheets on the forgiveness of distraction. I suspect that would probably be useful for you to do. And Jenny, if you, if you would just read the crux of the, the question again. Okay, sure. Um, when you tell people to put like the uh, beam of light uh, through the forehead and through the crown and where they meet is the uh, seat of the, seat of unconscious. the unconscious. 
Okay, so when she does that and she says, I can't seem to get over the pencil's fingers being deflected once they touch during my visualization. I even changed so the order the of instruction. Right. I also tried to make them barely touch to no avail. Uh, then I went ahead and did a release but felt nothing. Any ideas? Self-sabotage. Rooka maybe not wanting me to release. I have already released two things that I am trying to release. There's a really good movie that I think would be helpful for you to watch again if you've watched it before. <clears throat> and if not, would be helpful to watch. It's called Catch Me If You Can. And it's a story that theoretically was supposed to be true. I've read some things more recently that say it isn't as true as it had been projected to be Tom Hanks is in. It's a really good movie. It's about a young man who, as a teenager, his father teaches him to use distraction in order to basically do criminal activity. And so he becomes a master of distraction. You know, the, the movie purports that he got to fly X number of millions of miles for free by being a fraud and he got to cash all these checks and that's all a big question now but but it makes the point of you know every time that he would want to get something done he'd have a distraction you know he'd go into the teller and you know he'd, he'd be wanting to cash a phony check and all of a sudden he'd reach his pocket and say oh i just found this on the floor and there'd be a piece of jewelry was is this yours you know you're so beautiful this looks like it, it would probably be yours and the teller would just cash the check he'd change you know he'd distract her so you might want to again look at oh well if i change this if i change that distraction and then you know i see the possibility of the uh, of a power person dynamic here and that is you know the, the question well maybe Ruka doesn't want me to and I wonder if there was ever a power person dynamic for you where what you had to say was never right or never good enough and therefore questioned and was there ever a power person dynamic of blame of blaming you for anything as I hear this you know well maybe Ruka doesn't want it's like Ruka you know there's an originative faculty of the mind of, of actually it's designed to be the original faculty of being we can originate things as human beings that no other creature on earth has ever been able to do so we have this ability to originate and then there's this ability in our minds once we come up with something to execute to carry out whatever that is and you've originated the willingness to let go of this particular attachment and then there's well maybe this power that is there to do one thing and one thing only you know the original faculty is one thing then there's what we call the executive faculty the, the part of us that executes Ruka de Kutcha 
will originate nothing for you. Ruka the Kutcha will execute whatever you ask for. If you want to be taught the truth and you ask Ruka, Ruka will offer it to you. If you want to hold on to something because, well, you know, I have a belief that I might need this rage or this fear or whatever it is at some point in the future, with my words I can say, oh, I want to have this removed. But if in my heart of hearts I feel like, well, I need this to protect myself, then even when I say I want that to be removed, it's not going to be removed. So that feminine elemental force in us that in Aramaic was called Ruka de Kudja is not going to originate for us, is not going to interfere. You know, the, the direction was simple, ask and receive, seek and find, that's all. Not ask and then check it out and see if, if that power uh, is willing to offer it to you. There's no ability in that power to originate for you. That's totally yours. And perhaps there's been a power person dynamic and some learning of how well somebody else is responsible for this. So I just invite you to look at those things, probably a couple of worksheets in there, and step back in. And uh, if you weren't on yesterday's show, then you might want to listen. We did a more detailed walking through it, and um, go for it. Pardon me, we did have the conversation. You, you said you were on yesterday's show. I was thinking of the day before, but yeah. So anyway, they're my thoughts, and if you have any other questions, then push one and let's chat about it. Maybe you can step out of the library. And... That actually made me think of, um, I don't remember if it was last night or night before, we were watching a, a video, and they were blaming God. Um, I, oh, I think it was uh, on AGT and the, the person who was performing was, had gotten cancer and was missing a leg. And he was just a young kid. And one of the judges made a statement to one of the other judges about, you know, I don't remember, how, why would God let that happen to him? He seems like such a good kid or something. So it, right. that's what clicked in my mind when I read, you know, that maybe Rooka did it, um, is... You know, it's always easy to think that God stopped us or, or whatever. Yeah, well, it's a it's a big um, it's a really big thing in the culture. It's a big thing in churchianity. Oftentimes, you'll hear preachers, "Well, it's God's will." Well, my offering is. God's will is that your will be done, and if you will something, if you bring something into expression, it's going to come into expression, and the creator is not going to interfere. But once again, the creator originates a life and offers free will. If people choose to move into drama, trauma, pain, disease, and suffering. It's not that it's God's will in, in the sense that God has willed it. It's God's will in that God's will is your will be done. So if you will suffering, then God's not going to interfere. It's not, not, not that the creator's responsible for it. We do this to ourselves. If I choose to engage in some form of hostility or fear or disease energies, then I introduce a disease energy to my tissue structure. When the disease becomes fully manifest physically, so many people will stand around and go, oh, why would God let such a terrible thing happen to you? Well, no, God gave you free will. God didn't make a terrible thing happen to you. We do that to ourselves. 
it's time for this blaming of, you know, that's the original, you know, go all the way back into the Garden of Eden. What was the first blame game? Adam talks to God and says, God, that woman you gave me, it's your fault. You gave me, it's her fault. It's not me. And that still goes on. And I think it's a, it really separates people deeply from the truth to hold that belief that God has chosen to allow something. I remember listening to a guy named Dawkins, who's a highly intellectual atheist, and part of his rationale, and it was like, I'd love to call and have a, you know, this guy debates all kinds. I'd love to call and have a debate with this guy because he is so far out of line. He's supposedly a scientist, and he can't comprehend that we engage in energetic patterns that create trauma in us, that it's all that the creator allowed it to happen. It's like, man, you are no scientist if you're holding to that belief. And he went through, I mean, I'd listened to one of his, his uh, uh, YouTube things, and he went through this whole litany of how could God create a world where? Well... Yeah, one one of them I remember was he talked about how in some third world countries parasites get into the eyes and the child's eyes, you know, pretty disgusting, but a child's eyes literally are eaten by parasites. It's like, how could the creator allow that? It's like, creator didn't allow that. That's silliness. It's like that's that's about one of the silliest scientific ideas that ever anybody ever thought of. There are certain energetic patterns that you need to have in order for your physiology to be healthy. There are certain ways you have to handle your land and grow your food if your food is going to supply you with nutrients and keep you healthy. And if you don't do that, then what happens is tissue starts to decay. And when tissue starts to decay, in order to keep the system healthy as long as possible, there are things called reducer organisms, bacteria, viruses, parasites, that when tissue is weakened, then that tissue will be digested. It will be reduced so that the disease will spread as little as possible. And that's like probably one of the greatest gifts we've ever had because if that weren't true, we'd be overrun by the disease and decay of the world. So to recognize how this energy system works and to step up to appropriate responsibility for what we do to ourselves is really a key. Oh, Michael, you mean that little old lady that's suffering from cancer? How terrible she's been holy all her life. Yeah, but did you watch what happened when she was two and her father raged at her mother and cracked her head against the wall and slapped the child in the face? Did you ever think about the impact of that energy? Like, what is it that we need to clean up in our culture in order to get back in harmony with love? And when we do then all things will be made whole. All things is my offering. Thoughts for you, Jeannie? Well, um, I also thought when you were talking about that, you know, uh, that Rukka doesn't um, force, you know, or God doesn't force things. But that's also why on the worksheet, 
you cancel the goal first and then ask for assistance from RUCA. And if, you know, a lot of people do the worksheet and they go through just the written exercise of, you know, okay, I cancel the goal. But they don't really. And if they're not really willing to cancel the goal and let go of it first, then when you ask for assistance from RUCA, RUCA's going to say, well, okay, you want to hang on to it. So I thought about that. So that's why asking RUCA's assistance comes after you cancel the goal. Absolutely. And Sarah texted yes, me and she said, she doesn't have any questions, but what you said about the power person dynamic fits perfectly with her power person perception. So what I'd suggest then, you know, one of the things you were talking about uh, uh, about doing is perhaps doing the codependence intensive and in that intensive there's a 12 page worksheet that really unravels the mind around the power person dynamics so that'll be right on track for you if you go, go ahead and move forward with that and that's a worksheet that takes a fair bit of instruction uh, that we only do in that intensive so it's, it's it's actually the only worksheet at this point that we haven't just published and made public it being 12 pages long it's a it's a, an intricate way of unraveling the power person dynamic. It's called a power person worksheet. So we haven't, uh, haven't published it outside of the intensive, but you'll find that's going to be really helpful. And in the meantime, we'll hold the space. And we're about at the halfway point, sweetie. And so if anyone has a thought or a question... Our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you're listening to the show on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, if you call that number, you're listening to the show directly. And then if you push one, that raises a hand in the control panel. And Gene will introduce you by your code if you have a question or a thought for us. So if you're out there in listener land, push one. Let's have a conversation. Is all this making sense? Questions, thoughts, answers, ideas? And he may not be in a place where he could raise his hand, but yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Joe was on the show and he raised his hand, but then he dropped off later in the show, so I'm assuming he had to go. But he's with us today. So, Joe, yes, he just raised his hand. That <laughs> put you on the spot. Welcome, Sweet. Joe. And I just realized I just realized I was supposed to call Michael back after a chiropractor appointment, and I, I missed it. So remind me after the show if you would to call him. Michael. Hey there, young man. How do you be? Outstanding. I'll get better. You know, it's not easy. Outstanding in your field? Outstanding with, in The one on the field. left side of your house hey. or the one on the right side of the house? You know, how many times we got to go over this with you, Mr. Rice? Or, excuse me, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, <laughs> you think? Know, you, you, well, what is it, seven times 70? I, I don't know. You know, let's let's get biblical. Why not? Come on. 77. Stay with me, though. I'm 70. Okay. I'm with you. Is that what it is? Go for it. I know. Okay. Good. Which well, field? a couple things, anyway. I, I, which field? Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> We're moving. I'm curious about, I'm, I'm very curious about my father's transitioning. Literally, he mm. is transitioning because he's got this tremendous, um, it's about the size of a, tennis ball now on the side of his head, uh, lymphoma. He does not want to 
correct it or remove it. Mm, he doesn't right. want to go. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want to do anything. You know, it's, he goes to church, you know, um, Catholic, you know, hoorah, fantastic. Go to church every day back home. That's it. Uh, and I guess the purpose of my, this area, that tomorrow we're getting together with lunch, uh, and we're going over to visit a friend, Ivan, who is a former deacon in the Catholic church that um, right. that dad goes through. And my, I guess my question is, I, I want to address this situation of transition. It's, it's this kind of thing where like, we're going to have lunch. Okay. We've all, we've eaten lunch. And then my, my vision is simply, okay, dad, you know, you're not you're not getting busy living. You really don't. You're getting busy dying, and it's it's you know how do you say that? I don't. I guess is my question. You know, it's like Dad, you're you know you really. There's a couple times like last Friday I was over there, and he becomes so sweet. I mean, this different. He he was a guy who was raised by a man who said to me and my little brother, we're two years younger than me, when we were, you know, maybe seven, eight years old, whatever it was, his father said to my brother and I, we don't hug in this family. Men, we don't hug. And then a few months ago, anyway, he had also shared with me that they were, there was four boys and five girls. And the boys were just, you know, when they got out of line, they were beat. They were beaten. You know, they were roughed up, whatever. Yep. And the girls weren't. So there's this big macho Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and, and I do mean to say that too. And I, I'd be curious if anybody, right. but comes on and says sarcasm in the city is 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 big time. City sarcasm, and especially from my right. experience, Philadelphia, it's like all my cousins, all my uncles, all this sarcasm. Like, oh please, there's no rage. fruit it's in rage. this at all. Yeah. yeah, it's just a form of, of rage. And it's not funny if that's if that's all you got in terms of humor, then you know, okay, that's all you got. Sure. But and notice you've there. done the work, you've done the work to build the brain cells to recognize what it for what it is. But that's mm. not a common thing, mm. and you've chosen to give it up. Yeah, it's just the you know, so that but my, puts I guess you in my a different realm. Michael and Jeannie, yeah, and 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 Jeannie is. You know, I just want to be this Friday tomorrow. I want to sit there across from him or next to him and say, "Dad, you're giving up. You you want to go, or do you wake up every morning wishing you weren't here, or something to that effect?" Because it, I just feel like with Ivan there, uh, Ivan's a trained um, therapist, so forth. Did you know has done a lot of work uh, in that area, so. And I've talked to Ivan about it as well, saying, hey, you know, he, he, I've told Ivan exactly that, that, hey, he's, he's transitioning. And the reason I say it, Michael, is because he, what he, he, there's points when I've been with him, certainly last Friday was one, he gets extreme where I'm like, I feel like he's channeling. He, he says to me last Friday, he goes, well, you know, Joe, it, it's really good that you're learning about yourself. You understand your own, you know, makeup. And I look at him, and I'm like, who is this guy? Wow. Mm. You know, like, Dad, Dad, I've been doing this for 20-some years. Yeah. You know, and, I, and, I, and over that period of time, I've reached out several different ways, you know. 
And it's always the same thing where, you know, well, you should come back to the church, you know. Let's all go get in the barn here. So, anyway. Just curious. One of the thoughts that comes. Mm-hmm. One of the thoughts. Tell me about this fellow that's going to be with you. He's what kind of a therapist? Oh, I don't know in terms of his discipline. He was a deacon okay. at the Catholic Church. Okay. Um, he's my dad has met with him before, in as far as I know, in relationship to him being a therapist. That you know, he right. talked to him about the way I guess the way he was feeling, and for the three of us to get together, it's for me. It's I'm looking forward to it, but. I want to surface the issue of transitioning. And I, I don't know right. that I should or I shouldn't, but I part of life. I mean, my, I watched my mom die. You know, I watched that happen over three months. And that's what he's doing. It's just the same kind of thing. Right. Jeannie, you had a thought? Yeah. Um, you know, when um, I did some work around dad leaving and then we did a breath Mm -hmm. workshop and I breathed during the breath workshop and I actually um and I didn't do it on purpose it just happened but it was like Mm -hmm. I was connected to dad and I told him it was okay for him to leave and that was the first time that I had really been able to say go you know and I told Mm -hmm. him in the you know breath breath work when I was talking to him mentally or or whatever um dad you've struggled long enough you know um it's okay you can just go and then when we visited dad later it wasn't but like 30 40 minutes until he did leave and so I think a big Mm. part of it was holding on to him myself you know whether he realized Mm. that or not but being able to let go myself and tell him, hey, it's okay to it's okay to go, you know. So I don't know yeah. if you could bring it up in a way, you know, either do a breath session and try to tap into that, or when mm. you're meeting with him, just you know, kindly say, you know, Dad, you know, if if you're choosing to go ahead and leave, you know, I would prefer you to get well and stay here. But if you're choosing to leave, then I support you in that, and I let go. Yeah. You know, and that might be just enough yep. for him to accept it and let go. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of, that's you know that's what I'm going to say. Something you know, like, hey, if you if you want to go, you've got. I find it interesting that permission seems to be important to me as well. That you know, oh, you you know, you have permission to be you. You know. Uh, so-and-so doesn't like you, but you're still Joe, so it's okay. You just be you, you know. Oh, okay. So this aspect of saying, Dad, here, I'm, I'm giving you permission. So is Ivan. We're all giving you permission. If you want to go, it's okay. And I think the other thing that comes up for me, too, is this aspect of of permission along with the acceptance of the outcome is – you know, let's make it a reality. I mean, let's let's transition from this. You know, Mike was just talking about the atheist point of view or these other points of views. Dad, 
where where you're going or what this this notion of going there's nothing nobody's got anything nobody comes back from a near death experience and says oh shit i don't want to go there they all come back with the same it's wonderful you know so go i don't know one of the thoughts that keeps coming to mind is that perhaps there's a priest in his church that he's got a relationship with mm. and that you might invite that priest to join you as well. And mm. that might be somebody that can help to hold the space and for dad to feel safe and bounce off of to really open that yeah. conversation. And for you yeah, to give him the permission, you know, just to... Yeah. I really think it's just... Uh, that's what I'm hoping with Ivan. He was, a, like I said, a deacon. I don't know what that means specifically, but certainly... A, and he's a... My dad's a very... Um, enjoys teaching. He teaches catechism. He's done that for years, and he, he loves the whole aspects of that and the, the, you know the right. trinity and that type of thing and so forth and okay great and same thing with ivan he's got a class that he does online and so there's a real bond there between the two of them and then certainly they're right you know he's my father but but, but uh, as far yeah. as friends goes ivan is like one of dad's friends so it's i think it'll be yeah. a it'll be a safe place So you've told Ivan that this is a conversation you'd like him to be there to help facilitate and support. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. the that's the measure for tomorrow. Is that um, you know we're gonna I'll pick that up. We're gonna go to church. After church, we're driving to pick up the sandwiches and stop in that stop into Ivan's and you know eat lunch and then see how it you know see how it unfolds. But I yeah I, yeah. Well, we'll be holding the space. Okay, well the other thing, the other reason I, For I sure. called was um I I am I can't say enough how many times, you know, we talked about seventy times seventy or whatever the number is, but the forgiveness process, I, I uh I was raised in a very competitive environment, um, you know, both with my family as well as socially and you know, the community and so forth. And I, I can't tell you enough whereby um more than enough worksheets uh, around setting up the idea that somebody, doesn't matter who it is, you, Gene, whoever, oh, you think you're better than me or, or something hmm. to that effect. Um, you're, you're, I'm right, you're wrong. That's another big one for me in terms of, or, or they're going to get the best of me. What? I mean, it's just... How about a mind? I don't see it ever. Yeah, what you got? It's safe and healing. It's safe and healing, and I absolutely appreciate it. Comma. As well as enjoy it, comma. When people get the better of me. Are you breathing? Stand by. Yeah, yeah. I'm writing. I'm cramping too. So it's you know, 
It's a lot of issues here, brother. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's, it's the it's, idea of the mind shift. <laughs> the saving healing, I appreciate it as well as I enjoy people getting the better of me. There you go. I absolutely appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I heard good news about the. I know I'm kind of rambling here. I'm sorry. I know I'm on the radio show, but you guys didn't introduce me properly. Well, okay. Well, the the, uh, you know what came up was the um, creeper trail. Right? Isn't that up by you? It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I invited okay. you to come do that okay. a while back. I know. Well, you know, see, why you got to put the pressure on me? Well, what's up with that? Well, Rice, talking to you. What? We got to pick a day. We got to do this. Michael, you're silent. <laughs> I, I'm game. I, I put the invitation out, so when you're ready, I'm. You know, let's check it out and go for it. From what I understand, though, it's 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 not just we're not we're talking gravel. We're going over dirt. Well, take it's, you to it's a place actually with... a really nice compact trail, and you can either bring your own bike or you can rent a bike from them, and they take you to the top in a van yeah. with your bike, and then you just ride coming back down. And half the time, you're not pedaling; you're hitting your brakes. That's what I heard. Yeah, this is the guy, this guy this this morning I was talking to. Actually, um, so, yeah, got to try and fit that in somewhere, make that happen, come up there and go for it. How far away from your place is it? It's about 30 minutes. Okay. All right, that's all I have for today. Cool. Well, it would be cool to have you guys come up and hang out a little bit. Yeah. Um, Well, anything else? I'm complete. I'm complete. I love you guys. Thank you. Okay, appreciate you too, my Here friend. Look forward right. to, uh, to going and doing that bike thing. Okay. All right, blessings. Bye-bye. Blessings. And we have another hand up, and I believe this awesome. is Red 517. You're on the air. Well, hi, Jeannie and Michael. How is everybody? Hey, we're rocking. How about you, young man? Doing well. Just enjoying the program, sitting here and uh, working. I thought, you know what? You just came into my awareness at about 102, and I thought, well, I think I'll tune into the program. And I tuned in, and it's been enjoyable. Um, I had uh, some experiences that, um, as Joe was talking, um, that came to mind that I thought might be helpful. I, you know, I would like to be reminded of that myself. I was thinking that you might have, and, and you may have already addressed this with him previously, but when I have something, especially with a father or a mother, that the, that uh, power person dynamic comes into play so much that it's what I want, you know, and, and for him to be really clear as to what he's doing in that conversation is to be really clear on his own goals for himself that he has projected on his father. And, again, you may have already had a discussion about that without my knowing it or about being privy to it. But, you know, it might look like, you know, well, I want him to be alive. 
you know, and I want him to address this growth or whatever's happening in his head. And I want him to do it differently. And then he is. And I think those can get in the way of him really being present for his father, if that's his desire, and their relationship based in love. I'm with you. Cool. That was what yeah, I wanted to share. So, so much... Uh... So much projection to be dealt with throughout our whole world, for sure. My goodness. It, <laughs> I mean, me bringing this up, tuning into the program, is going to be also on some level in awareness for my own process. So it's, it's, it, <laughs> it's always fun. And I, what I, what I, well, it isn't always fun, but it, it's uh, definitely – um, interesting. It's always interesting is what I really wanted to say and enticing. But being aware of what I want for anything in any given moment helps me see what I might be doing with the information that I'm experiencing in relationship to, you know, and whether it be with um, especially I know when my mother was dying, there was all kinds of things that I wanted. And I had, it was a constant process for me to really tap into my goals and cancel them and then restructure them from a place of being loved. Um, And and I almost always came back to what was best for her. What did she really want? Regardless of what I wanted, it fell away. And once I let it fall away, I was there, I think, to the best of my ability as a compassionate son saying, Mom, what do you want? What What's best for you? And and it was it allowed me to really see more and be there with her as she transitioned. And sometimes I just, you know, had to just step up and say, Mom, I know, you know, you want to go home, but you've had two brain bleeds now and your physical body is not, you, you're not able to move very much. And at one point in the conversation there before she, the day before she died and, and speaking on the permission part, I just told her, I said, you know, mom, I said, I had promised you that you could go home and we tried that and it didn't work. And now you're back in the hospital with another brain bleed. And mom, based on what's happening, you won't be going home. And, and I'm sorry that, I have to say that, but that's just the truth of what I'm experiencing right now, Mom. And she wasn't conscious at the time. I was speaking to her, and she was um, unconscious. And I just I said, Mom, it's okay to go. It really is. What's best for you is what I mostly want for you. And that evening she passed. And she had gone days without water and I think 10 or 11 days without any food. It was quite remarkable. And she just kept holding on. She had a strong will. But what I do is... Yeah, that permission component's really, really big. Yes, yes. I thought that was really cool. Joe, you're on top of that. That was really cool. And I, I just... Sometimes I forget that, you know, my experience that I'm having when I want you or Michael or Jeannie or anybody in my life to be differently than they are is almost always based in a desire I have to um, 
have them be different for me so that I can feel better. And underneath it is almost always something that I'm hiding from myself. Yeah, that uh, warning from The Course in Miracles, it says, you must be aware of the distorting power of the way you want it to be. That's a big right piece on. of information. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's incredible. Even though I don't actively read the course, these phrases will pop up out of, apparently out of nowhere, you know, and it's uh, it's intriguing. Yeah. Wonderful to hear your voice, Michael and Jeannie, and uh, uh, appreciate what you're doing. The radio program is always rich and full of uh, great information and wonderful support. Awesome. Well, it's good to hear from you, and I hope your day is blessed. And tell that young lady in your world that we extend our love in her direction, too. I will. Thank you. All right. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, Miss Jeannie, we've got about five minutes left. So. Somebody press one, or I'll read a paragraph out of Michael Singer, or actually, instead of doing that, uh, let's announce, because we had said yesterday that the Global Book Club would be doing A Course in Miracles again today, and that's not going to be happening. Yinka is actually taking a day of silence with no technology involved in her life. and. Um, then a second thing is we had talked the um, last time that you did the Course in Miracles class with them, and those archives on the website. Um, the Global Book Club, there were several people, um, about like eight or ten people that were interested in the intuitive development. And so we said, if you were interested in taking an online intuitive development intensive, it would probably be ten weeks on a Saturday and Sunday of each week. And if you're interested, drop me a line at genie at whyagain.org. And I thought of a third thing, and then it just now disappeared. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure uh, what's happening with Yinka because I, you know, I'd read with you, read to you earlier her her note that she was taking the day, and then um, partway through the show, actually just a few minutes ago, she sent a note asking if I'd be available to chat with her at 8:30 tonight, uh, but no mention you know, uh, of the uh, Course in Miracles class. So I assume that she's canceled it uh, since she hadn't responded. So that won't be happening today. Uh, and or if it does, we'll just have to announce it and share the archive with people. And we'll we'll see what unfolds there. But yes, it, it looks like um, I've, I've had a few uh, other people who've been talking about, yeah, I'd like to do that intuitive development. And basically... The uh, the intuitive development intensive is one. We'll we'll do the forgiveness process. We'll do why is this happening to me again, and then the rest of the intensive is totally focused on getting feedback on getting information without the use of the senses. So developing the higher faculties energetically to be able to communicate with and and comprehend and generate accurate constructs about what's going on without taste, touch, smell, hearing, and sight. So it's a it's a pretty powerful uh, space to open up. And if you're interested in doing that, then as Jeannie says, drop her a note, J-E-A-N-I-E at W-H-Y again dot org. 
and let us know. New phone number and a name, and uh, we'll keep you posted on how that's coming together. So in the meantime, I'm going to just invite everybody to create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.